The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. And the last time I was up here, uh, we, I don't know if you remember, we had Erez Bar David, and we, we stayed in the Abraham series, but we kind of took a pause. And we thought, well, it'd be a good time. Here's a man from Israel who knows the land of Israel. And so we, we kind of put some markers in mind and we've kind of gone through some of those markers, some are yet to come. But if you remember, we wanted to make sure we kind of took a pause in the story that, that we're finding out through the story of Abraham and that, that we take a pause and we just look up and go, here's where we are, here's where the geography, here's things that are happening. And we talked about the altars that were built, altars of hope, altars of praise, of thanksgiving. Imagine that. <laughs> Is it Thanksgiving this week? Y'all, y'all have any plans? Yeah. Anybody going to cook? I'll be there. Tell me when. <laughs> I eat. I don't cook. We'll do that. We'll be there. But this week, I thought, you know, what we can do is, is pause and see where we are in the story, and we'll talk about it. And I just love, I don't know, uh, I want to take a minute and just tell you that this, when the worship team starts singing today about a way maker, a promise keeper, the light, I mean the light of the world, and you hear, and in our hearts, I don't know, some of you might well up and go, oh, I don't like that, but most of us who have lived some life, or even those who just started following God, we go, oh, thank God he's a way maker, thank God he's a promise keeper, thank God he loves us, over and against anything we might choose, that we might be loved by him. And that's what we're gonna talk about today, because this is a story we've been journeying through, and I wanna make a point of saying, that Chase very graciously said, here's my notes, we've studied it, we talk about it a little bit in staff together, and what would normally happen is, or what we try to do is go through the notes and keep you going, but I want you to tell you, I want to tell you, I saw those notes, and I read through those notes, and I'm like, man, that is Chase Bauer's message, and I can't wait for you to hear it. <laughs> I'm not even going to try to do that. Because uh, one of the things that I want to start off and share with you is how thankful I am about some things, and there's many, but one of them is it's just, a, I mean, last week, Tim Cartwright standing up here preaching about Lot being saved out of Sodom, and the week before that, and Tate, Dave sharing his heart about the, just the difficulty that Scripture was presenting and where we might place ourselves in Chase who somehow can read the Bible without looking at it and just start talking about it. And I say, hey, you're going to quote the whole chapter from memory? My goodness, how do you do that? So I'm not going to presume to do what they do. <laughs> I just can't wait to hear his message on it. So as I thought about it, I was very thankful, again, that we have a home group, a community group that meets every Sunday in our house. And some of you might be here. I hope you are. And I'm going to thank you in front of them because what we do in our home group, we have been journeying through Abraham with the sermon series. We call it kind of digging deeper. We, the, you can be prepared. All you have to do is listen to the sermon and maybe take some notes and we'll talk about it. And thank goodness. And thank you guys for the live stream efforts you have because if you miss it, you can watch it online. And we just talk about the story and we dig a little deeper. Remember what was taught and we go, what does that mean for us? And some of the things I'll share from about a 30,000 foot perspective aren't my thoughts at all. They came from just the life of that group. Men and women together sharing the hearts of God as we travel through scripture together. So I thought what we would do is take a pause and see where we were, where we have been. And there's a context that you have to kind of 
wrestle with anytime you're dealing with scripture because there are people here right now that go, oh, scripture, whatever, Pfft, too smart, I'm smart. That, that's an old story, it doesn't make any difference to me. And there are people that are like, I've been, I know it makes a difference, but I don't like what it says and I'm gonna wrestle with it, I'm gonna push against it. We, th- we know, we've been taught, it's the very word of God, it's can, it can form us and shape us and reprove us and guide us and tell us literally what to do next, but we don't like what it says. We don't like what it says. And the context of scripture is very difficult because it was written about times that were far away and cultures far away. And so we, today, we, are, we have to, by the spirit and as a community, work together to go, what's the meaning there? What was the meaning as it was first written? And what is it supposed to mean for us today? And it's a good time to talk about that in the story and I've given a talk before, and I'm going to share it with you, and I'm going to try to blend it in, because the songs today were about literally the sovereignty of God. Who likes the word sovereignty of God? Who likes those two words? Yeah, it's tough. Some of us, listen, I've struggled with that. We'll talk about that in a minute. But this is what it's about. This is where we are. And I've given this talk before, and I like to kind of set it up for you this way. Anybody know who Marvin Gaye is? <laughs> Change the subject. You know, go away from scripture to Marvin Gaye. Okay, everybody here, ra- raise your hand if you know Marvin Gaye. Thank you, all you 60-year-olds. Amen, yeah. <laughs> listen, listen, all, before all you postmoderns got to rejecting everything, we were kings of that. We knew what to do. We've been rebelling against authority before you guys made it cool, see? <laughs> Y'all just playing around with it, man. We protested. We moved off to islands. We jumped out. We had the man. We pushed against it. But in the middle of that were these plaintive voices. See, we were all living in a fallen world just like you are now in your culture, in your day. There's nothing new under the sun. And in the middle of it, Marvin Gaye penned this song. I'm not even sure he's a writer, but he sang it. He sang it such a way he owns it, and it's called What's Going On. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. And you, you know, okay, wait, what's the words? You don't know what the words are, but as I said the name, you go, oh, I know the tune. And you know, he said over and over again, what's going on? What's going on? And if you look at underneath it, there's a commentary on the culture, like all the things that were happening to him and as a black man, as in the culture, as a black person, and he's saying literally what's going on, and he's really crying. It's a cry out, what's going on? And what's the way to live now, given what's going on? That's Marvin Gaye, great theologian. He didn't have any answers. It was just a question. You see, you know, that's an interesting deal. I, I come up to Pat and say, hey, Pat, what's going on? That's a nice, I do that all the time. It's a greeting, yeah? Or, hey, you know, what's up? Right? Or at some bill commercials, you know, you know, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> or sitcoms, what's happening? But see, it, comes, it changes if you really let the question penetrate, if you really let it set in, or if I do, I, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about myself. Like I said, if I let it set in, it, come, it changes from more than just a greeting. It's like, you know, I mean, do you really want to know? How much time do you have? What's going on? So I'm asking you, what's going on? We're going to talk about today. What's really happening? Not as a greeting, but as a cry, because we're the people, the redeemed people. Some of us are living in it. Some of us have come here searching for an answer that we propose as Jesus Christ. We'll talk about that in a minute. And you're literally going, well, I got to make sense out of this. And we're coming with that plaintive, melodic cry of humanity. What's going on, God? What's going on? 
I know none of you have ever felt that way. I'm just sharing for me. <laughs> what's happening? What's going on? So we're going to get deeper into that, what's happening in your life. And it's really important because we're going to close. We're going to go this setting. We're going to see where we are, where we're going in Abraham's story. We're going to close a little application about Thanksgiving. We're going to go to Thanksgiving because all of you are about to go from this place to that place. And you're going to go cook and eat. And you're going to try to create. And you're going to try to make a a place, and you're going to have these moments that are coming up, and it's our time that we've set aside to give thanks. And I'll show you how they connect in a minute. What's going on when you go to that place? What's going on when you go to your family? What's going on? What's really happening? And even what's possible as we go through today, the next day, and the next day, what's the next day? Now, how do you get from there to Abraham? <laughs> So what's going on? See, here we are. We've said from the beginning that our story here as we journey through has been called the story of Abraham. We even title it, we have Abraham, but we've said from the beginning, and I'm going to remind us now at this point as we pause, that it's not the story of Abraham. It's a story of how God revealed himself to Abraham and literally everyone around him, including Sodom, including Lot, including Hagar, who named God who gave him a name, including Sarah, especially Sarah, and I'll tell you about more in a minute. So when we're talking about Scripture, we, 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 one of our first frustrations is we try to find ourselves in there when it's really what you really are hoping for is, God, what's going on? Who are you? Who are you? Are you the way maker? Are you the promise keeper? Who is this God that we find in the story of Abraham. You see, there are a lot of stories that can be written about God. He's sovereign. He made this place. He is king, ruler over the world. He designed it to have a way to operate. We've been rebelling against our design. There's plenty of stories in the world, but these are the ones by his sovereignty that have been set out and picked to put in the order. And you go, okay, what do, we want, what do you want us to know about you, God? That's what we're going to do. We're going to take a little pause what do we learn about God? We've already learned that during the story that Abraham heard the voice of God and he honored it and did that. He started learning about God in such a way that eventually in scripture, as he met with Melchizedek, he started referring to this God, the God that was calling him, as the God above all gods. Oh, where'd you get that thought? See, there's a lot of gods in Canaan. Everybody claiming to be God. There are some pharaohs, believe it or not, men and women claiming to be God. No, 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 not this God. This is the one that is above all gods, God most high. We just sang that, you see? God most high. Who is this God that we've learned about through Abraham so far? There's so much more to go. He's the God most high, the God above all, and he has a plan. He's the kind of God that makes a promise. <laughs> That's what's going on in Abraham's life. Then we see if God can accomplish his promises and how it's going to happen in relation to men and women living in a fallen world. Now, if that doesn't fast forward into your life, I don't know what does. Because we're no different. We're men and women saved by God living in a fallen world. As so, Abraham and Lot and Sarah and Hagar and everyone else around them. That's the story we're living in, you see. So let's remember where we've been. So you remember that before Lot got in all of his mess there, he was actually captured and kidnapped and Abraham summoned up his fighting men to go save his family. And he saved them and he goes off into a, 
into Sodom again, which is just the most odd thing. We've already talked about that. And in the midst of that, we have the visitors from God, that is even God himself, depending on how you read the story, coming to Abraham as he's at the place he built his altar, remembering where God was, maybe giving offers of things, waiting on God like he should be, and these men from God, and God through them said, hey, hey you know, they blessed him, gave him an announcement about about Isaac coming, the next thing that's going to happen, he's going to have a son. And as they're walking away, y'all remember as they're walking away, they're kind of talking, hey, should we tell Abraham about what we're going to do to Sodom? That's an interesting little story. I mean, it comes off scripture kind of funny. But it's like, they're really doing that. To, to, so Abraham can hear, what do you mean? What, what, what do you mean? What's happened to Sodom? Why would Sodom be important to Abraham? Because his family's there, lots there. That's why. And then out of out of just God's grace, they say, yeah, this is what's about to happen. The outcry from Sodom has been so great that God has to respond. You see, there's a sovereignty thing going on right now. Listen, it's bad, but if we don't stop it, it's going to get worse. God has to stop it. He's going to stop it. And he's telling Abraham, and what's Abraham's response? What did he do? He, he started talking with God and bartered and started talking. See, uh, these technical terms we grow up with, we're taught, well, when you talk to God, guess what? You're praying. <laughs> You're not telling him anything he doesn't already know. You're not instructing him. You might hope to be, but you're really just praying. You're just like requesting. And here's Abraham interacting with the message of God, God himself probably right there and say, hey, 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 wait, what if there is 50 rights? Okay, you know the story. We won't go through the whole thing. And you know what happens, right? And he goes down to it. And these, God knows. Listen, I know you're worried about Lot. I got that. I'm hearing your prayer, Abraham. See, he did what you just did. Hopefully in our prayer. As, as if maybe if it came to mind that there was someone in your life that just desperately needed to be saved. Even now as I say that, you know there's someone, there's someone here. There's someone in your life that just desperately needs to know the love of Jesus Christ and needs to be saved, and we pray for him, and Abraham was just doing what we're doing. Save Lot, would you, God, please? And God says, sure, it's not because he's righteous. See, and we're gonna find out that in a minute. So he, that's the story, we're going, and of course we know, and we heard Tim talk about last week, you know, the story, and Lot is in this moment, literally as as God is accomplishing what he told Abraham was going to do, as judgment was coming upon the city, you see uh, Lot hesitate. He'd already heard and believed that God could accomplish what he's about to do. He even told the city this is what's going to happen. He put himself in harm's way. But in the moment of that moment, of that moment of judgment, God just, you know, he hesitates. And it, it seems to be Lot's will not to go along with the will of God. And in that moment, what happened? They just reached out and grabbed him. Read it. He hesitated, he waited, they grabbed him, and they took him. Okay, so I grew up with these certain notions as I've traveled through scripture about what people talk about the sovereignty of God, who our God is. And he's been caricatured and character, characterizes things like, well, he's a puppet master or someone who just pulls strings or and that makes us robots and we have no freedom. And, and there, there is, you know how, I don't know, have anybody ever heard that? Am I the only one that's heard that? 
Yes, and I don't like that. I don't like that, and that doesn't sound like the God of Scripture. In some ways it isn't, and in some ways it is. I'm going to tell you why you ought to be thankful. In some ways it really is. Because in that moment, Lot didn't want to go. And if he had not gone, he would have been consumed by the fire, the wrath of God on Sodom. And over and against his will, God literally grabbed him and pulled his string. (laughs) I don't know about you, that used to frustrate me, but now it doesn't. And I'm going to tell you why. Because the God that is pulling that string is a miracle worker, a promise keeper. He's a lover. (laughs) He is sovereign. When he pulls a string, it's by his grace and his love and his mighty power and his heart of redemption to save you and love you. And he has been screaming at you. And even when you don't listen, thank God, thank God, he will take Danny right out of there. And that's what happened a lot, you see? That's what's going on in the story. So who is this God that's being revealed in this story? He's that God. (laughs) He's that guy. And he's the same guy for you. Now, I don't know about you. You, know, you might not like the notion. I certainly don't like the notion, and we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit, that God's a puppet master. That's not what it's describing here. But I do love, I do love the notion that in the midst of all my failure, of all my sin, that I might be in a place by my own will, and I might not even be able to see clearly, I do love the notion that in the middle of that, God would reach down despite myself and save me. Amen. You see, this is the God that is presenting himself through Abraham, and he's our God, our God, your God, the God that's going to help you through today and tomorrow. That's not an invitation to go sin and go headlong. That's not that, and here's why. Because in the story right after that, right after he pulls them out, literally right after that, they say, hey, go, no, go quick and go to that high spot. I mean, it's literally the next verse. And what does Lot do? I don't know, God. That high spot's dangerous for me. I think it's dangerous. And then God does a strange thing. It's like, whatever, dude, just go. Literally. See, the point, I'm saving you. I've got a way for you, and you can hear me, and you can go over there. I promise you, I know, I know your fear is about the high spot, but I, you know, if you go there, that's what I think you should do. But right now, the point is, I'm saving you. And it gets even worse for Lot, or maybe better. He says, I'm saving you because of Abraham, not you. Oh, you mean my salvation isn't all about me? Oh, that's the kind of God you are. It's for Abraham, but see, if it's for Abraham, you know who it's for? It's for him. It's for God's glory. I'm pulling you out for my glory because I made a promise to Abraham, and I am going to keep my promise. Oh, the sovereignty and the love of God. (laughs) Frustrating, but wonderful. And in that moment, fine, Lot, go. Go to the low spot. We know it didn't work out. God knew it wasn't going to work out. He goes over to the low spot. He ends up in trouble, living in a cave, and we all know what happens next. I won't go through that again. (laughs) Thank goodness. Sordid and terrible story. Ends up with the chapter in 19 saying, that's how you got the Moabites. That's how you got Ben-Ami and his followers. And they're the people that have persecuted Israel from now until forever. Don't imagine 
that your life doesn't have a consequence. But see, he had the freedom to go. Where's the, pu- where's the puppet master? No, Lot, I just pulled you here. Go to the high spot. He didn't do that. What's going on about, what's the sovereignty thing? What's going on? What's going on? Listen, I'm going to accomplish my plan, God says. It's going to be despite, really in spite of sometimes, but notwithstanding your will, my will will be done. And man, there's a beauty and a place to rest in my will if you just want it, if you just want to come into it. It's beautiful and wonderful. I had a preacher once tell me, listen, this is the way that sovereignty thing works out. He is sovereign. It is wonderful. And you can come along, albeit sometimes hard and against your sinful nature, you can come along and see and live, or you can not, he'll drag you kicking and screaming. You don't have to have all those bumps and bruises, folks. You just don't have to have. Who? I would love to hear the story about what happened through Lot's life in the high place, which is probably how the people he feared would have come to know how great God was. And I know I'm not supposed to be here. I know you want to kill me, but God sent me here. So that's, that's what mission is. That's what we do. God's sending you. God's saying, go to this place. Some of them are fearful. Some of them we, we're worried about. We don't know, but you know we're supposed to go. And just go. God's going to take care of you. You do have to have a plan, but go. He's got it. He's not made a mistake. He knows the very places that you live and the places you're going to go this week. Go and be a part and see what God might do. That's just where we are. That's the context. Here's what God has revealed about himself. And most importantly, we hear about this covenant, this promise he makes to Abraham, this this idea that salvation will come, that, that God will bless the world, really save and redeem the world through Abraham and through the story of Abraham. And he, as Chase preached a while back, he marks his covenant with this ritual where they set up a sacrifice. And normally it's both people in the promise walking through here so that if everyone would break that covenant, someone would die. And, and God walks through it, not Abraham. Not you, not me, not Abraham. God's spirit goes through it, knowing that the covenant is going to be fully broken by, by man and knowing fully that someone's going to die because of it and it's going to be God himself to pay the price of the broken covenant. We just, we're halfway through the story and that's the God, that's who he is in this story so far. We're learning that through Abraham and here we are. That's what's going on. (laughs) See, they lived in a fallen and sinful world, and so do we. The human condition hasn't changed. And I don't know about you, I I relate so much to Lot. Oh my gosh, in the midst of how God would do something wonderful, in the very next moment, my fears overtake me, and I wonder, where's God? I'm glad that's only me and not any of you. See, uh, the story continues, and I promise you I won't tell Chase's story, so let's get to the scripture, and then we'll get to application. I'm already running out of time, which, I, you know, when I got pressed last night or early this morning, I thought maybe I have 20 minutes, but this is an axiom. You should never give a lawyer a microphone. He will go over time. I apologize. So let's look at scripture. We haven't done that yet. We just reviewed the story, but let's look at it. This is where we are And we're going to have some application about Thanksgiving. 
You see, we don't, like, we don't like scripture sometimes because the meanings are so plain, but other times it's a little frustrating. It's told in stories and metaphors and allegories. Sometimes, you know, Jesus will walk around and they would come and ask a question of him, Jesus, what's this? And usually it's a yes or no answer. Like John, you know, John's in his, his uh, guy saying, are you the one, are you the Christ? Are you the one we're looking for? And, you know, Jesus, God said, yeah, okay, that's enough. It's not enough. God can say yes, we'll still resist it. No, you gotta have a story to go on. You gotta have something to go, here's the God. And he goes, you go tell John, listen, where I go, the sick are healed, the lame walk, the blind see, and the dead are raised. Oh, you mean, so you, yes, right? <laughs> yeah, he didn't say yes. That's an argument from silence. Well, Jesus never said he was. You gotta be kidding me. He told a story that proved he was. By trying to search the Bible for a word, he said, yes, go tell John. He didn't say, he said, go tell John the story. It's so frustrating, though. Why don't you just say, yeah? And it's because we, we want God. We want that every time in our life. You see, Abraham had those days, those moments, we've seen it, where God literally interrupted and gave him his voice. Scripture wasn't written to follow. He said, I'm revealing myself through your story. And he had to stop and say, Abraham, this is what's going to happen. And I'm going to keep talking to you along the way. But there were great expanses where I'm sure Abraham did not hear the voice of God. How frustrating. I mean, wouldn't it be better in this whole sovereignty issue if every morning God could say, hey, Bob, this is what you're going to do today. Yeah, who could? This God will go do that. It worked out for me every time if I follow what he says. But I wake up and he surprisingly seems silent, but he's not, you see. We're not like Abraham. We have this whole story that is literally screaming out to us. It has a full weight. If we say, get up this morning, hey, God, are you the one? What should we do today? And he's going to say, listen, go tell him if you follow me. The dead are raised. The sick are healed. Marriages are kept together if you just come follow me. That's not necessarily the answer I'm looking for. I just kind of know what I need to do today, God. He says, do that. You see, it's like the author has written a play and we know we have maybe the first four acts specifically written, and we know it, and then we're living in this next act. We know the final act. We know what's next, but we're left to go, how do we live in the midst of the story? Well, we have to live on accordance with everything he said he is. This is who he is. What's going on? God has a plan. A plan to bless the world. And we found it in Jesus. Genesis chapter 20, verse 1. We're going to wrap it up here. Are you with me here? Verse one, Abraham journeyed from there to the Negev region and settled down between Kadesh and Shur while he lived as a sojourner and a resident in hard word. Now I'm going to tell you right now, I'm from Galveston County. I can't believe I said Kadesh, Shur, and I sure don't know how to say Gerar, so I don't know how to say that word. We have a practice, we get the names, we just say hard words. So here he is, the point is he's sojourning. He's not where he was and he's sojourning. Really, did he hear God's voice? Did God say, hey, get up and go? No, he has freedom. See the sovereignty of God? Yeah, you go. You know what's about to happen next. Go. It gets him in a bind, though. Because he goes from a land where he's fairly protected into another land in Canaan, an area that was going to be his, that was ruled by a king named Abimelech. And he took Sarah. We've heard this story before. And we're going to scratch our heads and wait for Chase to give us the answer to that next. But really... Abraham, haven't you? Did you know? Did you remember that story with Pharaoh? 
You see, I'm going to take a little aside here because one of the things we've been talking about is God's sovereignty and God's purposes. And one thing you have to do there is God's design. There's some things that are set in order by his good grace and his purposes. And one of them is the male plus female beautiful thing expressed in marriage. And Abraham and Sarah in their fallenness are struggling with that design all throughout the story. We got, we got uh, Sarah and taking in her maid, and we got, we got Abraham offering his wife up to Pharaoh, and he's about to do it again. I'll let Chase tell you about it why. But here's the thing. God accomplishes his purposes in his design. In his design, not outside the design. And in the fallenness of our nature, what we find out is we struggle in God's design, even as redeemed people. You're supposed to stay married. Why? Because when you're married, the two become one. Oh, that sounds like a miracle. If you just, what does that mean for me? Really? Saying that we're one? And so what we're learning through this, just, I'm kind of aside here, but it's going to come up here, is when God makes a promise to Sandy, he's making a promise to me. Because we're one, you see. And when God makes a promise to Danny, it's Sandy's promise, because there's, no distinction between us. We're one. We are operating within this, this idea of the Trinity, how we can be together, honor one another with our functions and our roles, but together, equally valued, so that a promise to one is a promise to another. And it's awesome because you'll see the next time God speaks again, he's keeping a promise to Sarah. See? But we, don't, we forget it. And we go, okay, I got this promise. Abraham knows he's going to have a son, but he forgets the design. The design is you and Sarah. When I say you, Abraham, I mean her. Oh, God, help us hear that in our families. Help us to live that way in loving submission to one another. So it goes awry when we go against the design of God, not just the plan of God. But it's not a prohibition, it's an offer, it's a proposition to come and live and see how beautiful it can be. If you just see what God designed and hoped for you as a man, as a woman, as a family, if you can just test it out, it looks fearful, it's vulnerable, but you, you have to work it out and see how beautiful it is. It's a wonderful high place, don't go to the low place. Stay married. I'm saying that because this week was a difficult week, the last couple of weeks. Marriages are falling apart. Please, God, save the marriages in our church. Some of you today are coming not knowing. And the answer is yes, stay married, love your wife. Yes, stay married, love your husband. So here we go. What I want you to notice about that before we get to the problem is, here he is, he's wandering around. He could, he's free in the sovereignty of God. You know why? Because what's going to happen next? What's supposed to happen next in the story? We already know, we've read. What's supposed to happen next to eyes, I mean, I just buried it, to, to Abraham and Sarah. Do y'all know? They're going to have a baby. Why? Because God said they're going to. She's not pregnant yet, but that's what's next. And sometimes when we're waiting for what's next is when we foul up the most. I'm, me, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to make that personal. See, this has happened over and over again to Abraham. I'm telling you what's next. Well, God, that doesn't really seem enough. No, it's really just that you're going to have a son, Abraham. And that's going to be great. You're going to be faithful through that. And that's going to be this great story about who I am and who you are. It's going to be accredited to you as righteousness. Quit reaching for anything more than that. But as you go along, be blessed. 
and watch and see how I work this out. Abraham, what's next for you is a son. Yeah, you can roam around. You know what? You can have a son in the Negev. <laughs> you can have a son over there in Shore. That's fine. You, got, you're, you're got, you can choose that. You can do that. that might, that's fine. That's fine. But then he offers Sarah, that's not so fine. And I'll tell you why in a minute. Well, let's tell you why now, real quickly. The next verse, we'll go down to 17. Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife and his female slaves, so they could have children again. <laughs> For the Lord had kept all the women in Abimelech's household from conceiving because of Abraham's wife, Sarah. You see, there's going to be a story in between there, and Chase is going to tell you about it. But listen, ain't nobody going to have a baby and no way that the story's going to be messed up. No one's going to be making a claim out of this Abimelech mess that somehow Isaac is not Abraham's son. You get it? So without, even unwittingly in this story, Abimelech doesn't even know what's going on. He's like, God, you'll see oh, what's going on. In the midst of that, God says, I'm going to keep you from the sin that will thwart my story. You can't change it. And he put, I mean, the whole household, no one could have a baby. And everybody knew it was God. And at the end of it, here's Abraham praying that God would remove it for Abimelech's sake, unwittingly caught up in Abraham's failure once again. And then just go to chapter 21, verse 1, because this is what's next. The Lord visited Sarah just as he said he would and did for Sarah what he had promised. And remember I said that means did for Sarah and Abraham. So Sarah became pregnant and bore Abraham a son at his old, old age, Casey Burke. Okay, Thanksgiving. <laughs> What's going on? This week, how do we make sense out of this? We're going to keep journeying through. The God that we just heard about is the God, your God today. He is your God. He's got a plan and it's wonderful and he wants you to enjoy it and love and live freely and go into the Negev and have children. You're free, that's fine, as long as you're following his direction and you know what's next. By the way, people of God, you know what's next? Jesus is coming. He's gonna make all things right. That means there's nothing in this world that's gonna happen to you that can do you any harm really whatsoever. What are you worried about? as you prepare to go meet with your family, what's, what's your concern? What's your concern? God's literally saying, don't worry, I got this. I got a plan, I'm making all things right. I know things are messed up. I know some things are messed up in your heart. I got a plan, follow me, go, go, go. Be the reflection of my love, my joy, my image into this world. Help people see God through your life and what I've done. Go and live. And tell him Jesus is coming. He's going to make things right. And we know what's going on. I have a picture and we'll stop here. I want you to pray. And we're going to talk about what's being, we'll be faithful here. I'm way over. Listen, y'all know who Norman Rockwell is? Okay, Norman Rockwell was an uh, artist for the Saturday Evening Post. If you don't know that, if you're too young for that. But he was in, entrusted with capturing images like this. And we, as we go through the holidays, we'll go through this and we'll go, oh my goodness, we want that this week. Anybody else do that? Yeah, we want that this week. Not what we got. No, not what's going on in our life. Heaven help us. We want that. 
and we will start taking direction and making things. We'll even dress ourselves to pose for that. We'll try to create that moment, but you were missing what Rockwell did, and this is what I want to do. There's another picture here. It's my favorite picture of all time, my family. That's my family at Thanksgiving. You can see we got ready for that. We posed for it. We arranged to have two tables put together, had food slopped everywhere, and no one combed their hair. <laughs> oh, I love that picture. It is, it, this is what Norman Rockwell did. He didn't, he didn't try to depict something that we created. He tried to take a snapshot of what was happening. And please, please, God, don't go through this week and miss what's happening, what's going on. And, and the, look at that. So my dad is that handsome guy, and people say I look like him, so I think he's handsome. And, uh, and next to him, and between him and mom, is my brother Tim, and both Tim, my dad and Tim have passed. And what I thought I would do is just remember, hey, you know what? That first Thanksgiving after they passed was hard. And some of y'all are going through that. Actually, all of us are going through that in some way. It's our first Thanksgiving without our brother. It's hard. But look, we have these memories. We have these moments we've captured in our head. We can remember, oh, it's so beautiful and wonderful. Don't miss it. Don't miss the next one. Take those, take those moments in your mind this week and remember, oh, look, it looks all disheveled. But look, my mom is happy. My dad's content. No one's in trouble. Look at that beautiful f- smile of my sister. Yep, maybe a little coveting going on with dessert. Oh, my gosh. Be thankful. This Thanksgiving, be thankful that God is who he says he is. He's made a way. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for being the God you've promised to be. Yesterday, today, and even tomorrow. As we go through our days, help us to be thankful for that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.